Thank you, Gary. Uh, good to be with everyone once again. Uh, always a joy to be here with you guys. And uh, thank you for your prayers, Gary, and for everyone else. We really appreciate that. Um, I don't know about you all, but it does feel like we are entering into a new season. And, and I, I, let me clarify that to say I don't feel like we're entering into a new season just because the government has issued potential lockdown restrictions. Um, I feel like the Spirit of God is, is, is calling us into a new season um, as the body of Christ. And, and that's exciting because it's really important that we kind of keep in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing and, and keep in step with God's timing and His plans and His purposes. And so, um, again, sometimes I know uh, there, was, there was actually prayers at the very beginning of service here, which is amazing. These guys are all praying for you. And... Um, uh, as Gary was sharing how he felt like some of people might be very, very weary right now. I really feel like the Lord is just really adding to us strength in this season. Um, and so actually the Lord spoke to me just the other day uh, and, uh, in a time of prayer. And he said, I'm strengthening your core right now. I'm strengthening your core in this season. And we all know what, what our core is, right? Our core is, is our stomach, right? And, and uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's having a spiritual six-pack, if you will, I think is what God's going after. Um, because our core is important, because our core kind of helps keep the whole body together, right? It's, it, it's, it keeps us from, from falling over. It helps us with our movements here and there and everywhere. It keeps the bottom half attached to the top half. It keeps us from tripping and falling over. Um, it, it's our core strength is very, very important. Uh, the scripture may not use the word core a lot, but the scripture would use the phrase kind of, um, may you be strengthened in your inner man, right? Many of us would be familiar with that passage. And, and, and so I want you to take heart because God is strengthening our inner man, not only individually, but as a whole, as a body of Christ, as the body of Christ. In this hour, he is strengthening our core um, because he doesn't want us to trip and fall as he's entering us into a new season because he wants us to go higher, right? He wants us to go further. Uh, he, he, he wants us to be uh, devoted like never before in this hour. And so that's just a little, little word for you to be encouraged that even though you might feel tired and worn out, a part of that tiredness comes because the Lord is actually strengthening within us our very core as the body of Christ. And the only way that that core is developed is through times of testing and trial because he's, he's, he's formulating something that is gonna be stronger than ever before. So my prayer for you and my word of encouragement to you this morning is that we as a body will become strengthened. And the last part about that is this, and I'll jump into the, the message for this morning, but it comes out of Ephesians chapter three when Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. And Paul says, he goes, guys, I'm getting down on my knees. I pray for you that you would be strengthened in your innermost being, your inner man, by the Spirit, so that you will have power to behold and to understand and to experience the love of God in its fullness. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. But we actually have to have the strength of the Spirit. We need to be praying for each other to be strengthened so that we can enter into the fullness of the love of Christ. 
And so uh, in that term is a little bit about where I feel like the Lord's directing us this morning. Uh, This is an exciting time of the church calendar, the church year, as um, many of you might be celebrating the Lenten season right now, and some of you may be fasting right now, which is really, really good, evaluating, asking the Lord to come in, cleanse, uh, um, and get us uh, ready. Man, that's I don't know about you, but I feel like that's been the whole last year. <laughs> and, and, uh, but that's a good thing. Because again, Jesus, this is that, the business that Jesus is in. Especially in this hour. He's in the hour of making a pure, consecrated, spotless bride uh, to give fully to Jesus. I like to say that a lot, but it's what's on my heart, and I believe that's what he's doing. And so some of you are in this Lenten season. You're very, very reflective, and I bless this time for you on that. Um, and so Gary had asked if I could just share a little bit about Jesus's life leading right up then into, you know, the coming of Good Friday, the coming of, of Easter coming up in a couple weeks. And so I, I, I did, and I landed on just where Jesus starts entering in to Jerusalem, you know? And so this is about two weeks out-ish, or, or well, maybe the last week out, I guess, but, but, but it, it kind of falls into the same parallel timeline that we find ourselves in. And I thought it was brilliant that Laura this morning picked Hosanna, uh, you know, and we sang that song, and, and we're all familiar with that, and there might be a Palm Sunday message next week for us, but what we do is in Matthew chapter 21, we catch this vision of when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and we're seeing a climax of Jesus' life. Everything that he's taught, everything that he's been doing, all of the miracles that he's done has led up to this point right now. And it's, it's, it's as he enters into Jerusalem. It's as he enters into the city of David, the city of Zion, the place where God's presence resides. And this is where the very place where the presence of God is supposed to be but the people of God don't even recognize the presence of God when he's walking and talking in their midst. And, and, and we know the story, but, but I want to center in a little bit on this one aspect. As God is strengthening our core in this hour, and as we're in this Lenten season and we're reflecting and repenting, uh, that, that this is the very thing that Jesus is doing and decides to do by the power of the Holy Spirit in his last remaining days on this earth. I want you to note that this is what Jesus is doing in the last remaining days on this earth. And I'm not going to go into all of it, but we see this escalation of Jesus' words becoming sharper about the plumb line that Jesus shares, and it it, it gets more divisive. And it gets more divisive, and it gets more clearer to one specific group, and that's to the people of God. That's to those that have been called by his name. And he's got a good, strong word for them. So, Matthew 21, verse 10 and following. Jesus has just ridden in on a donkey, on a colt. And people are saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10 says this. When Jesus had entered Jerusalem... All the city was stirred. I want to stop there just for a second. That word stirred there actually means to be shaken with fear. And it's used a few other times actually in Scripture. Um, 
The other times are this, at just a little bit later in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, when the veil of the temple is torn in two, when Jesus dies, it says that the earth trembled. Okay? And we see here when Jesus entered in, a whole city shook. A whole city stirred when his presence actually came in. And then when his presence actually was released, the whole area shook. And then actually we see it one more time in Matthew 28 that when Jesus arose, the guards who were standing guard, when they realized that Jesus was gone and the stone was rolled away and the angels showed up, it said that they shook and it was as though they were dead. This is a powerful word, but this is the power of what happens when the presence of God, when the voice of God, when, the, when, when, when Jesus himself walks into our midst. He begins to shake things up. Now, I gotta be honest with you. I did a little experiment the other day uh, on, on Facebook. I, 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 <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not wanting to throw anybody under the bus, but I, I put this little thing out there and I said, if you had two weeks left to live, what would you do? And I'll be honest, it was a setup. Because I was thinking about this, right? I was thinking about the last couple weeks of Jesus' life, what was he doing? And Because I was thinking about it myself, and I was just like, everyone that responded to that Facebook post is honestly, that's probably what I would have said too. You know, there was a few, there was a lot of like, man, I would spend time with my family and friends. I, 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 would, I would go do something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and I, I would make sure that the people closest to me knew that, that, that Jesus loves them and hopefully they would come to know him, that kind of a thing. But I'll be honest, I have to be, I had to be honest with myself and I say, man, when Jesus knew he had two weeks left to live, he, he did something different. And I think that's important for us to note. Because here's Jesus, the consecrated one. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh, the very, the, the very person of God made flesh dwelling on earth. And when he walks in, he begins to stir things up. The last remaining days of his life, he gets more clear and, and, and comes with a knife, or comes with a sword more than he has any other part of his ministry. But I want to say to you, and I want to say to my own soul, it's because he loves us so dearly. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like this message for me, this message of consecration, this message of shaking, this message of stirring has been on repeat. But I believe it's because the Spirit of God is saying the turbulent times that we find ourselves in, the immorality that spreads itself around the world that we find ourselves in, in the midst of those times, even in the midst of the times when the church itself is probably more asleep than ever before because they've let themselves fall asleep, what we need more than anything is the presence and the power of God in our midst to shake and stir us up again. Because the world so desperately needs to see Jesus. And not just that, but Jesus is so desperate for the world to see Jesus in and through us. He's desperate because his love is zealous. You know, the first time, and I know we're not even there yet, but Jesus is about to cleanse the temple. The very first time we see, there's actually two cleansings of the temples in Scripture. John, the Gospel of John, he records the first one. It's the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, re they, they, uh, they record the second time Jesus cleanses the temple. Okay? But the very first time Jesus cleanses the temple, the disciples saw Jesus you know, making a whip. You know, that's the one that he did the first time. He made a whip, and he started driving everybody out and turning the money-changing tables over. And the disciples said, oh, 
zeal for his house consumes him. They remembered that scripture of old. But see, that's it. The reason Jesus is so desperate for us and so desperate to look for a consecrated, pure, spotless bride, it's because of his zeal for his house. It's it's because of his zeal for you and I. It's because he wants us to enter into the fullness of everything that he purchased that we're celebrating in this season of his death, burial, and resurrection. It's because zeal for his father's house consumes him. And I have to ask myself this question, are we as the body of Christ, are we filled with that same zeal? Are we, are we filled with the same zeal that is going to stir and shake each other up so that when we come together, we are shaking each other up to walk in the fullness of, of, what, of who Christ has called us to be and, and to walk in? And not only that, it begs me to ask the question, when I walk in to an area, am I so saturated in his power and his presence that things begin to get stirred up? in the workplace, or amongst family and friends and people that don't know Jesus. But again, this context is a little bit different because these were supposed to be the people that knew the Lord. (laughs) So we even ask right now, God, may people, may you rise up amongst us and would you send us people that would stir us just like Jesus stirred his people then. Would you stir us again to intimacy? Would you stir us again to holiness, would you stir us again because we want to see your power and presence come. So when Jesus entered the city, it was shaken. And people were saying, who is this man? What about these estates right around here? What about your family and your friends that say, who is this? Because you see, here's the thing. When we see Jesus who is is holy, When we see him walk in, people, it catches people's attention. Who is this man? Right? It shakes people to their core. But I want you to notice something that's about to happen. Because we're going to see two different things happen. Those who thought that they knew the Lord, they rejected what he was doing. They rejected holiness. They rejected consecration which has actually kind of been the theme of the body of Christ for generations. Because we become so religious and we become so ingrained with what we're doing that we, very, we miss the presence of God when he's standing in our midst. But as we'll see in a second, it's the poor, it's the children, it's the blind and the lame, and they come in and they actually get touched by Jesus. Oftentimes the consecrated ones are often misunderstood. And it reminds me, you know, it, it's, it's just as Jesus is this anointed one and just as he's called us to be the anointed, consecrated people that he would use, um, there was a group of folks called the Nazarites in the Old Testament. Many of you will probably be familiar with them, but God used people like the Nazarites, like there's the Samsons and the, and the Samuels and, and others, and these people were people that shook up the people of God. They, they, if you were, they were types of Christ because they devoted themselves away from the worldly pleasures and the, and the things that, that, uh, that are, are okay, but they, they, they said, I'm not going to deal with those things so that I would rise and go into a deeper level of intimacy with who God is. 
because that's what I'm going after. They were called the Nazarites, and there were certain things that they lived by, and they didn't do, and all that kind of delay, but it was a deeper level of consecration. But even in the book of Amos, again, we see that, 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 that even then, uh, the, the church, if you will, would reject them. Amos chapter 2 says this, uh, God said, I raised up for you prophets from among your sons and Nazarites from among men, but you made the Nazarites drink wine, which is one of the things that the Nazarites made a vow not to do. And you commanded the prophets not to prophesy. So Jesus walks into the temple. He walks in as a fully consecrated one. He walks in as one who is holy and zeal for his father's house consumes him. So he walks in. He enters the temple and he drove out all of those who were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame, they came to him in the temple and he healed them. But listen to this, verse 15. But when the chief priests, the leaders of the house of God, of the people of God, and the scribes, they saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself and then he left them and went out into the city of Bethany and spent the night there you see when Jesus comes in because zeal for God's people consumes him he doesn't want to leave any table unturned I'm not going to go into all of the, 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 the meaning behind what was going on there, but you just have to remember, this was God's house, the temple. This was the place in which God's presence resided, right? This was it. This is where they were supposed to interact with God. This was the place that signified intimacy. This was the place that signified worship. This was the place where uh, if, if everyone was centered around the presence of God in the house of God, the temple of God, then there would be a blessing that God had promised for all of his followers, for all of his people. But yet, slowly but surely over time, over hundreds of years, what was beautiful in the days of David and Solomon, and we see a little bit of it through the prophets and everything else, you know, there was an exile and the people of Israel were removed because of their sin, because they let other things get in the way of full devotion, full consecration, this Nazarite vow kind of living that God had called them to, so they let other little menial things of the world come in. And if you want to look at what some of those things are, go and read on your own time Jeremiah chapter 7. Because what Jesus says here is a direct link back to that. And it, it, Jeremiah the prophet was, was warning Israel, he was warning Judah, he was saying, guys listen, you've let all of these sin things into your life. And, and, and not just sin, you've let worldly mindsets come in. And so what I'm talking about is not just you're doing the wrong things, though that was happening, but he said you're not thinking like God anymore. 
You've taken on some, some good ideas from the world and you've placed them alongside of the holy. You see, good cannot stand in the midst of holy. Good has no place in the presence of God. Only the Word of God has place in the presence of God. And so all of these other strategies, all of these other things that, 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 that you've done cannot stand in this place. So again, Jesus is referencing all of this back then, and he's saying then, again, in this passage, when Jesus is coming in to offer himself as a sacrifice, he's saying, because you can't get it, I'm about to do something for you that you cannot do yourself. But don't miss the message. Because I have to be honest with you, this isn't just a message of of something that happened before the cross and the power of the cross to redeem us and to make us holy. Because it doesn't take long for us to read the letters of Paul and even then to jump to the revelation of Jesus in the book of the revelation of Jesus that John wrote and to see the letters that he wrote to the churches and what were they all about. Guys, you've got this going on, you've got this going on, it's good, let me commend you, like amen to that. But you've got this and you've got that. Get that out of your midst because I'm coming soon. And it's turbulent times, Jesus is saying in the book of Revelation. It's turbulent times. I know people are starting to come against you and you see that the values of the kingdom are actually starting to be pushed against by the values of the world, right? All of the things happening in the world and, and, and the, the, the killing of more babies and the immoralities of, of marriages and gender identities and, and, and the seeing world systems trying to rise up. All of these things, this, was not, this is not a new narrative. This has been happening over and over again. But we find ourselves in those times. And in the midst of those times, Jesus says, don't be lukewarm. Don't be cold. I want you to be hot. I want you to be burning for me. So repent. Because if you don't, I'm going to remove your lamp from the lampstand. And so, beloved, I want you to hear this. This is not, it's the continual message of Jesus to let us to enter into consecration and purity. Because it's what's on his heart, it's what he desires. And there's probably a million different reasons why we are in what we're in for the last year. And God always uses things to work out and to turn to good for those that love him. But I have to be honest, I, I, I can't help but think that this last year has been a year where the Lord's been saying, I'm going to remove everything that you lean into right now. And I'm going to even remove the church so that you can't even lean on that. So you can't even lean into that normal rhythm of you living your normal life and then feeling like you've got a connection with me when you show up on Sunday mornings. You know, that's what Jesus' reference was when he said, my house, but you've turned my house into a robber's den. The reference there is this idea, a robber's den, is where all the robbers would go back, count all of their, 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 their money and everything that they had stolen and said, oh, we're in a safe place. And then they would run out and then do all these bad things again. And then they would come back to the robber's den and find a safe place. What Jesus is saying is, you come to the temple, you go to church, you go through the sacrifices, you go to these things and you think, I'm good with God. You show up on a Sunday morning, you say, I'm okay, and I can still do those things in the rest of the world that, yeah, I know God probably doesn't like them too much, and, and this and that and everything else, but 
I'm going to be okay because I know Jesus saved me and I show up for Sundays. I think God's removed all of that because he's after our hearts. He's after us entering into the fullness of who he is. And beloved, I'm not, I, I want you to hear me uh, with everything that I've got. It's, it's, I'm not just talking about sin issues, though if, you, if there's continual sin issues in your life, then, then go after those and, and do that in the season of repentance in this Lenten season. But I'm talking about there's more. I'm talking about this passionate devotion. A kind of devotion that stirs and moves the heart of God. I'm talking about the kind of devotion and separateness that makes the world go, who is this man? Who is this woman? Who is this teenager? I'm talking about absolute surrender of mindsets, of passions, of desires, how we spend our evenings, how we love other people, the words that we use, some of these more maybe insignificant kinds of things where we maybe just go, ah, but I just want to check out for a while. Ah, I'm just going to indulge in this for a little bit. Is there anything wrong with rest? No. Is there anything wrong with enjoyment? No. But do you hear the heart of Jesus? He's calling us higher. He's wanting to strengthen us because as we approach each and every day, as we enter into his presence, only those with clean hands and pure hearts can be in his presence. And yes, the blood of Jesus has purified us from all sin. Don't miss that. But are you living into and from that purity? Or do you just hold it as a a card of when you mess up, because you still enjoy those other things. Because you've, you've let the money changers of the world, you've let the business system of the world, you've let those kinds of things into your house, into the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. So why consecration though? Why is this so why is this a passionate message from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 21? Why is Jesus even in this hour speaking to the church like, beloved, you're doing so well, but repent because I want you to be burning hot for me? It's because we need his power and his presence more than anywhere else, and his power and presence, when it's demonstrated, will change people's lives. And I believe that one of the biggest things that we miss today is the demonstration of the power and presence of God in our lives. And I believe that that's directly relinked because we are missing a consecrated lifestyle. I think those two things are are interchangeable. Going back to Matthew 21, we see that here. We see Jesus again. He stirs a whole city up. Who is this man? People are drawn to him or at least intrigued by him. He comes in. He begins to clear it out and say, this is my father's house. Why would you marry it with all this other stuff that has nothing to do with the presence of God? And then what happens? The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Why? Because holiness just entered the temple 
of God. Consecration just entered in, purity just entered in, and then demonstration happened. I don't know this for a fact, but my guess is there wasn't a whole lot of that happening in the temple of God. But see, that's the beautiful thing when we invite Jesus in to our temple. When we invite him in and we let him turn over every single thing that needs to be shaken or that needs to be turned, he comes in and then the humble parts of our hearts, the blind and the lame parts, get touched. And he begins to open our eyes. He begins to give us and strengthens the very core of our inner man so that we're able to stand and walk in our identity and demonstrate that same kind of love and that same kind of power to the world around us. Back to verse 15, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. Let me encourage you, if, 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 you, if your heart is burning and aching for what the Holy Spirit is saying through this right now, let me encourage you, you will have people come up against you and look at you and go, you're crazy. And it's probably not gonna be from the world. It's probably gonna be from those who know you the most, who know you the closest, and maybe even people that love God. Again, I referenced that a second ago. Every time God began to speak and God began to move and he was calling his people higher, he sent them the prophets, he sent them the Nazarites. Unfortunately, the lukewarm of the body of Christ tend to be the very ones that pull down the prophets, that pull down the consecrated ones, that pull down the, 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 the holy ones just as they did to Jesus. And they were indignant and said, no, this is too crazy for us. And they even try, to, some people may even try to, to, to call your burning heart and your reckless love for Jesus and your pursuit of intimacy for Jesus, knowing that there's gotta be more. Some of them will even, may, may even call that legalism because you're actually, you're actually leaving behind those things that easily entangle because you're pursuing all that Jesus has for you. You know, I was on a call with some brothers the other day and for a class and something that we were going through. And I was reminded and I shared this with them. But you know, my heart's always been stirred to, to prophets. My, my hearts have always been stirred, well, to Jesus. My hearts have always been stirred to great revivalists and people that walked with great levels of, of power and the demonstration of God's love towards people. And I'm scratching my head and I'm like, God, why, why doesn't my, why, why, where's the power? Where's, the, where's, where's that at in my life? And what I'm continually drawn back to is these men and women were fully consecrated. I don't know if some of you are f familiar with Smith Wigglesworth. Some people love him. Some people, that when they look at his life, they, 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 would, they would go, eh, I don't know about him. A little extreme. Like devoted, like, like he didn't even do like things other normal people would do in the world. That's because he had caught a glimpse of Jesus. And he decided anything less 
then 100% devotion was unacceptable. And because of that, because of that devotion, not for devotion's sake, but because of his devotion to who Jesus is and what he had done for his life, saw God do amazing exploits in the kingdom of God. That's why I believe in a large part the body of Christ is a powerless church. It's because we're an unconsecrated church. Um, I know we've, we've referenced this sometimes and I, I remember this because this, this actual series was one of the first series that Gary and I kind of did and uh, when I first got here two years ago, which has just been a journey. And can I tell you, thank you guys again. I, I know it's kind of off the track, but a little side here. I am so encouraged by you. I, 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 you guys, God has used the journey and you all, I don't just mean the church, the organization, I mean you guys, individuals, this body, to be such a blessing to us and to spur us on to more of Jesus. And for that, I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. But, but that series that I'm referring to, we looked at Joshua and the nation and the people of God when they were getting ready to pass over into the promises. And, and, and Joshua spoke a direct word, which remember Joshua, that Hebrew word, uh, name for Joshua is very similar, similar to Yeshua, the name of Jesus, right? And, uh, but, but Joshua says, Brothers, before we cross over, before we pass over, consecrate yourselves today because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecration precedes demonstration. If you want to see this this kids' play center demonstrate power, it's gonna be more than just having a really good business plan together, that's important. It's gonna be bigger than that. It's will you and I consecrate ourselves to another level and upgrade a higher calling into the fullness of Jesus? So that when, when moms with little kids walk into that room, they go, whoa, who are you? What is this place? because they will sense the Spirit of God upon you and the Spirit of God collectively in this place because you and I have devoted ourselves to Jesus. We've consecrated ourselves and then the demonstration and power will come. How will we see links and the, and, 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 and the counseling come? It's powerful, it's really good. People need that. They need people to help them come alongside of them, lift up their arms. But how will we see not only those good principles and practicals actually bring about transformation? Because we are a people. We are the body of Christ. Those who say, I can't deal with the things of the world anymore. All I can do and want to do and desire is to be in the presence of, of my Jesus. Passionately burning for him.
It's a very, uh, in, in Luke, um, Luke deals with this passage as well, with Jesus coming in to cleanse the temple. And, and, and Luke gives one little important detail I think is interesting for us as, as kind of we wrap up these thoughts here. He says to them, uh, well, right before he cleanses the temple, according to the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem because she did not recognize the time of his visitation. And I guess what I want to say, what the Spirit of God has put on my heart, is let's not miss and recognize the time of this visitation of the Lord, the season that we've been in. Because, beloved, there is a great harvest coming, a beautiful harvest. But it will come through those consecrated ones whom God pours his spirit on without measure to demonstrate his power and love because that's how the harvest is pulled in. And that's the destiny of this body. And that's the destiny of everybody that would say, Jesus, you have full access to this temple. Come in, do the work of your cleansing. Let the blood of Christ run fresh and anew in my mind and my heart. Let me be like the Samsons and the Samuels, oh, forget, and the John the Baptists, the crazies, the long-haired, crazy, burning heart ones. Let me be like that. Let me be like you, Jesus, who walked fully confident in what you did for them by the power of the cross and by the resurrection from the dead. May we walk like that. And may we not miss the time of visitation that we're in right now. Because we don't want to miss the ultimate time of his visitation that's to come.